This is the Ninja of Another Color Podcast. This is your host, D-O-T-T-L-E-Y. It's Sunday, February 26th. Uh, The mission of our podcast is to bring current events, sports, pop culture, stuff like that. Uh, Rate, subscribe, follow, comment, give us feedback. Uh, Rate us, review us, give us five stars, give us four stars, give us three stars, give us two stars, give us any stars. If you don't give us any stars, I'll just assume I'm doing it correctly. Uh, Today's podcast, um, since it was previously NBA All-Star Weekend, was the NBA All-Star Weekend bad because of the location or... Is the NBA All-Star Weekend done? We're going to see if that's that's the reason. And so, without further ado, let's get into it. Deep in the South Pacific, a tumultuous and untamed new continent has erupted. Spawned by a highly unstable new element known as Theta-7. If this powerful new element could be controlled, whoever possessed it would be the undisputed ruler of the world. One man, General Lucas Plague, is determined to hold that title. And it's up to a rugged team of mountaineering experts, led by Commander Mike Summit, to stop him. Employing revolutionary new gravity lock and laser cable technology to traverse the ever-changing terrain of the high frontier, Mike Summit's Sky Commanders and General Plague's Raiders are locked in mortal combat, with the fate of the entire world hanging in the balance. Yep, that is the Sky Commanders, and this is your host, D-O-T-T-L-E-Y. This is Ninja Jump Another Color Podcast. Rate, review, subscribe, follow, give feedback. Rate us, review us, give us five stars, give us four stars, give us three stars, give us two stars. If you don't give us any stars, I'll assume that I'm doing it properly. Alright, you know we're available on Spotify, Amazon Music, Samsung Podcasts, Pandora, Google Podcasts, and TuneIn. Yes, we're still working on Apple. Yes. Uh, before we go further we like to give a shout out to our returning listeners who listen in san jose california los angeles california uh phoenix arizona denver colorado kansas dallas houston austin san antonio atlanta charlotte ashburn washington new york and don't forget that military base in where? In Oregon. We also have Portland and Seattle. I do, do appreciate y'all listening. Please tell a friend to tell a friend that we are available on those podcasts and let us grow. We're trying to get our following up. Rate, review, subscribe, follow. All right. Our first story is... Did any of you know that Carl Malone was a centerpiece during the... All-Star Weekend? Did y'all know what Carmelo did? Or what he's known for? Alright. If you didn't know, check this out. Maybe one of the greatest basketball players to ever touch Earth. But he's also one of the worst humans to ever touch Earth as well. Mailman delivered us one of the greatest careers ever. And ended up scoring the second most points in NBA history. 
As great as he was on the court, off the court was a different story. He's human garbage. A 20-year-old Malone, who was a college star for Louisiana Tech, impregnated a 13-year-old girl by the name of Gloria Bell. Gloria's family did not want to press serious charges against Malone because he was well-known and they thought he could provide for the baby, who, crazy enough, turned out to become a future NFL player by the name of Demetrius Bell, who had a five-year career in the NFL. Malone initially rejected the thought of Demetrius potentially being his child, and it took nearly three decades for him to finally have a relationship with his son. Carmelo may be one of the greatest basketball players to ever touch Earth. Uh, greatest basketball player, maybe. He just scored a lot of points, but yes. Carmelo impregnated a 13-year-old when he was 20 in Louisiana, and the NBA paraded him around like he was a good guy in Utah. Yes, Utah, that's where the uh, All-Star game was. Uh, ratings were awful, so were the ratings awful due to where it was? And or is the NBA getting that backlash for letting because the CD what it was because there's no other CDs that they won't go to the NBA, NBA All Star at but I think it's because of where it was that the uh, the ratings were low because uh, I wasn't really watching it. Uh, All Star Saturday Night was usually better than the game and the game wasn't all that, but. It is what it is, but I really think it was. This is a one-year blip because last year the ratings were up. I think they were in Los Angeles or Atlanta. Fine. And speaking about Carl Malone, check this out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, remember that Zeke was leaking, right? Way before you was even in the league. Way before I was ever in the league. I just want to. I just want to step this up. Never thought I was gonna be in the NBA to begin with. But I remember you had him leaking, right? We playing Utah, we in Jersey. And on the break, John Stockton dropped that thing off to him. I go right upside Carmen on fucking head. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> Lay him out. And he didn't get up and do nothing. I was like, oh, these motherfuckers so far here. <laughs> like, and Jerry Sloan, God rest that man's soul. Oh, you motherfucker, I kick you. And I was like, he tried to take up for him, like, and Carr didn't do nothing. I was like, but that was for Zeke. Mm, you know what I'm saying? However many years I later. Way later. Yeah, that's crazy as a motherfucker. All right, to set it up, there's this famous play where Carbalone hits Isaiah Thomas with an elbow to the head, spits him open, 40 stitches. It was like in the 80s. And the person I was talking was Kenya Martin. And what he did when he got in the league, he went upside his head, show how soft he was because he didn't do anything. Well, he was kind of soft, but again, they paraded him around like he was a great But Does off the court assimilate on the court? Because I don't recognize Carl Malone as a great player just because he scored a lot of points. He didn't win a championship. He got to the NBA Finals twice back-to-back and lost to Michael Jordan, the greatest of all time. And he was just uh, he was just another guy. He's in the Hall of Fame. He got gold medals. But anybody can get into the NBA Hall of Fame. But I digressed. Again, Carl Malone was the poster child. He got up on the NBA All-Star stage with LeBron and Kareem and I do not think 
he deserved it but even though it was he was a Utah great but I digressed were the signals were the ratings were the ratings were the ratings worth were the ratings worth it I don't know I doubt it Again, back to back to will will um the All Star Game get its ratings back? I think so. I think so. But let's hear from these guys. They, they gave the story came out about the NBA All Star Game, and you and Scotty talked about this the last two days. Me and him talked about it. The game was an absolute embarrassment. When you have a coach after the game say it was the worst game of basketball I've ever seen, when you have a player in the game say it was a glorified layup line, you got all kinds of problems. And thankfully, coach, the fans stamped that with a seal of approval. The lowest rated ever, easily the report said, easily the lowest rated All-Star game ever, down 30% from last year. Good, Coach. That's really great. Good. Perfect. Exactly what we needed to see, because some of these people, like Kendrick Perkins, saying you're hating on the game. No! They embarrassed themselves. The entire weekend was an absolute joke. The rookie challenge, the Rising uh, Stars game was really good. Slam the contest, you to pull a guy who just got signed from the G League to make that impossible. Three-point contest, okay. But then the All-Star game was absolutely a joke. It was embarrassing. No one wanted to watch it. You can try whatever you want until you make these guys play defense. And here's the thing I'm going to say to you folks. If it's down 30%, the NBA got a problem because... The sponsors are going to say, like TNT is saying, we're not going to put that much money into getting the All-Star game because people don't want to see it. Adam Silver's got a problem on his hands. It's this. It's load management. It's how we deal with the back-to-backs. There's a myriad of problems, and you got a new television deal coming up, and you got a new collective bargaining agreement coming up. There's going to be some fighting, and the owners have to stamp to the players and try and hold them to the fire in some kind of way. Look, a ratings decrease is one thing, Coach. 30% is like taking a bowling ball and throwing it off a boat, and it just completely falls to the bottom of the ocean. I mean, that, that is serious right there. That You're right. That's where sponsors and whatnot. Now, look, it's the NBA. I'm sure they all love it. They all love being a part of it. They got the drink sponsor, that new drink sponsor in the dunk. They got all, all sorts of things that they have going on. They got to change something with that game. I don't know what it is. Three-on-three tournament. I know they ain't ain't ever going to do one-on-one because guys don't want to get embarrassed. So they'll never play one-on-one. So that's because that's what matters the most, coaches. Guys don't get embarrassed. They start back tomorrow night. Uh, Full slate games. You and Scotty will talk about them. But I'm interested to see, out of all these games tomorrow night, who don't play. 
after a week off, because you know, Coach, it's going to be somebody. One of these teams, or two of them, on the, on the card for tomorrow night. And I already got my eyes, because I know who the repeat offenders are. I'm interested to see if any of them sit guys after a week off uh, with an all-star break. Again, 30%, I don't think it's a problem. I really think it's where the All-Star game was because a lot of the corporate sponsors, we aren't going into Utah. There's not a lot of things to do in Utah besides snow, a lot of Mormons, but I could be wrong, but I don't think it's a problem. Yeah, load management is a problem. They need to get them play. They need to have them playing more. Uh, the back-to-back, I don't, uh, uh, back-to-back, like, for the day, they stretch out the schedule, so there's not a, not a lot of back-to-backs, but, uh, Jordan then played back-to-back all 82, but hey, we're a better generation. Okay, moving on, did the Atlanta Hawks make Trey Young a scapegoat so they can hire Quinn Snyder? Because they fired Nate McMillan, great defensive coach. Uh, the buzz was he did, he was having problems with um, Trey Young, but the minute he got fired, the next game they scored 100 and I think 130 points. So, but uh, the coaching church they're saying that um, Quinn Snyder is going to be the next head coach. But let's go to NBA today. Deal to hire former Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder after the dismissal of Nate McMillan on Tuesday. I want to welcome in senior NBA insider Adrian Wojnarowski to our show now because this search, it's in day three. Woj, why has Atlanta zeroed in on Snyder here? And Malika, Quinn Snyder is the most accomplished available coach out in the marketplace. And really what Atlanta needs would... What about Mark Jackson? Which is someone who is a renowned program builder and they need a program in place what about mark jackson in atlanta player development accountability uh and somebody who can get this team much better on the defensive end but when you hire quinn snyder you saw him do it in utah you get an all-encompassing package and from the moment that they dismissed uh, nate mcmillan on tuesday their focus was on quinn snyder i'm told that uh, he remains really the sole focus of this search, and he, uh, the front office ownership, have been in constant conversation over the past several days on what a partnership would look like. Landry Fields, their general manager, Kyle Korver, their new assistant GM, who played for Quinn Snyder, and, and of course, uh, uh, ownership in Atlanta. So uh, this, these are discussions that are moving on uh, pretty aggressively, and I think there's... Uh, optimism here that there's a deal near in the coming days. The Hawks currently sit at 8th in the Eastern Conference. Woj, thank you so much. Please keep us posted as this story develops. I want to bring Zach Lowe and Kendrick Perkins back into the conversation because, Perk, if Snyder is in fact named the head coach of the Hawks here, what kind of impact do you think he's going to have on this team and then on Trey Young specifically? Well, I mean, he's proven, Malika. I mean, we saw him do a hell of a job with the Utah Jazz, in my opinion, especially monitoring the relationship between Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. Here's the thing. Trey Young, you're on the clock. Like, you've been through two coaches already, and you're going on your third. 
You're, you're a bona fide star walking borderline superstar in this league. You're going to get a coach that has put guys in position to be successful. We watched Donovan Mitchell thrive under Quinn Snyder. It just didn't work out for us, them accomplishing what they needed to accomplish, and that was reaching the NBA Finals when Donovan Mitchell was in the Utah Jazz. But Trey Young is going to be on the clock. Is he a franchise guy? Can he take over the franchise and be the leader that they need him to be on and off the court? Is he going to accept the role of, of, of letting the coach hold him accountable? That's who I'm looking at. It's not Quinn Snyder. He's going to come in and do what he do. This one right here is on Trey Young. Hmm. Zach? We hear this phrase about Trey Young. Perk said it. Woj said it. Accountability. Holding him accountable. And that's what's going to be interesting here. What does that actually mean? Quinn Snyder is a great coach. If you can get Quinn Snyder to coach your team, you should get him. I voted him coach of the year at least once in Utah. What's interesting about him is he's a system coach. He likes ball movement and intricate set pieces and things moving side to side. But he also adapted in Utah to give Donovan Mitchell more control of the offense. So they met in the middle. It will be interesting to see if he and Trey Young can meet in the middle. Because I think when people say accountability and all this... They mean a couple of things. Number one, you got to move off the ball. you got to be a more active off-ball threat. We traded all this stuff for DeJounte Murray. He can't just be a bystander waiting for his turn. And number two, you got to buy in more on defense. Yeah. We can't be covering for you every single possession when teams mm-hmm. hunt you down. So it's, it's, a, it's a talented roster, and Quinn Snyder's a great coach, and it'll be interesting to see if they can meet in the middle. Yeah. Is Trey Young a coach killer? Reports are, yeah, he's not been in the league that long. He's a wannabe Stephen Curry, I think they they drafted him for. He can dribble, he can shoot, and he's a liability on defense. That's a fine. Uh, total liability on defense, he's not a two-way player. Yeah, he can give you a good 30-footer, 30-footer, but if you're giving up, if he's scoring 40 and giving up 50 on the other end, uh, what's the use? And, I, again, I don't think the Hawks are going anywhere. They probably have to trade him to get uh, either trade him or, like they said, have him buy in on defense. But, yes, the case is not out, but Trey Young is a coach killer. Yeah, he kind of is. And why... What did Mark Jackson do around the league that he doesn't even get a shot? Even though it's the NBA, yeah, they hire black coaches, but Mark Jackson laid the foundation for the Golden State Warriors and can't even sniff a job. I think he had a couple interviews, but I think he's blackballed out of the league get a coach job. I think he belongs. I think he belongs with the Knicks. I do not like I don't know, not, let me not say I don't like Thibodeau. I don't like his style. He runs the players into the ground for the entire season, and when it comes to playoff time, you don't know why they they burnt out. Yeah, Julius Randle is getting forty six points, but let the young bucks run. That is just me. All right. Moving on, the next topic is the XFL. Is anybody watching? This is not going to be a long segment because 
It's on ESPN, ABC, and FX. So, let's hear what The Rock told them on their first uh, first game on ESPN. When they told you that the dream was over. But here's the truth. Your dream is just beginning. Because what you're going to do, you're going to come out on this field and you're going to line up and you're going to show the world what it's like to be truly hungry with that chip on your shoulder. I know, because I got that same chip and we're here because the X of the XFL represents the intersection of dreams and opportunity. You bring the dreams, we brought the opportunity. Now let's get to the game that we all love and why we're here today. So I say this, to all the players, to all the coaches, and most of all, to all the fans, we say this with great gratitude and humility and an insane level of excitement. I declare these words as we kick off our season. XFL, let's ball out, baby! All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was said about the XFL. I hope it does well. I don't think it'll, it'll... take over the USFL I hope it stays for a while because it's football all year round and I don't know the last time they did this it went bankrupt and that was wrong what's, what's his name Jim uh, I'm a Jim McMahon no, um, the dude for the WWE Vince McMahon there you go him okay I hope it lasts but hey more power to him Alright, is the NFL off-season? The off-season. What trades and other stuff will be done this year? I don't know, but here is one trade I think that can happen. I think the Falcons should look into it. Uh, It's Jalen Ramsey. Check this out. We'll see. Then Jalen Ramsey, this could be a hot market on the trade front. Rams are taking calls here, and so I've talked to some teams this weekend to see what's going on here. And the Detroit Lions come up fairly often as just a reasonable, you know, potential fit because Brad Holmes, the GM there, was with the Rams for a long time. He knows Ramsey's game and needs cornerback help. They've been sort of a build through the draft team, but could be one to watch. Las Vegas Raiders need help there. So Ramsey, with his skill set, only 28 years old. Even though he's due seventeen million dollars, should have some suitors. Only twenty-eight, right? Another. Yeah, he's twenty-eight, but twenty-eight. So he got like what? Two to three more years left in the league. Yeah, I think they can. They can pull the trigger on that one. Um, they say the Cowboys. Who else needs a corner? Minnesota because they they um, they let Pat Pete. I think they're they're not going to resign him. But hey, let's hear from Pat Pete. We're seeing we're seeing it in golf, and now we're seeing it in the NFL, which is the most popular sport here in the states. Uh, before I let you guys go, let's talk about free agency a little bit. Patrick, obviously, going through the process yet again. H- has there been any changes to the process itself over the last few years? And how do you sort of best describe what free agency is for those that are, you know, following your path right now? 
Man, for me, you just got to take it a day at a time and just be patient. You know, if you if you put in the body of work, you know, someone is going to be willing, you know, to take a chance on you. And that's all that's all you can do. You know, for the most part, for me, I just take it a day at a time. Whatever happens, happens. I know, you know, that I you know I played well enough to to, to deserve a spot on someone's roster next year. Um, and I just want to win. You know, I just want to have an opportunity to win and be with a competitive team and be around good guys. Um, because, you know, that's what it's all about, being, being able to enjoy going into the office each and every day. Men lie, women lie, but numbers <laughs> will never lie. All you guys that are watching us, guys and girls, you heard what Pat P said. He is deserving of being on, the, on a team, no question. Just go check the numbers. Nothing else needs to be said in regards to his free agent market, the, 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 the traction that he may get or might not get. Just look at the numbers. They said he was old in the tooth. He was, you know, at the end of his career. He's drinking too much Sprite. All he did was go out and put forth some of the best numbers for any cornerback in the National Football League. So, as my guy said, he's just going to be patient. He's going to be playing golf, traveling around the globe, and waiting for that big-time call. So, if you need a veteran presence in your locker room or your organization, call number seven. Hey, Tommy, man, I might have to hide the beat back as my agent, man. What you think? Oh, yeah, hype man for sure. <laughs> you know. Yes, Atlanta Falcons, yes. He is a good veteran presence. You might want to check him out. But him, Jalen Ramsey, him or Jalen Ramsey on the other side of um, AJ Terrell, or put one of them in the slot, or move and move one of them to safety. But I think the Falcons have a have a good a good uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A good chance to sign at least two or three good corners this year. Fine. Alright. Everybody's talking about Lamar coming to the Falcons. No. Do not sign him. Build around Ritter. Ritter. Desmond Ritter. Fine. Damn it. What is happening to me? Build around Desmond Ritter. Build from there. He is a good quarterback. You got him for three more years before you upgrade or sign to a long-term deal. Go ahead and let him run the offense. In Falcons news, the Falcons made a move to shore up some cap space. Check it out. Quick. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons have adjusted Jake Matthews' contract uh, accelerated his bonus $7 million uh, towards his salary this year and his roster bonus um, actually uh, but it creates $4.2 million in cap space as a result now that's poised to have $7 million in cap space this offseason uh, says Phil Yates and we hear all the rumors going around about Lamar Jackson and that's going to cost a pretty penny so you can see 
them making more moves and one that I think is coming is Marcus Mariota and his twelve million dollar salary because we're talking so we're talking access of uh, probably eighty plus million dollars uh, when it's said and done. Uh, but they had sixty nine point eight um, when they before his bonus accelerates to seven million dollars. Now um, it's going to be closer to seventy four million dollars. Uh, so that's great news. Uh, more cap space. Trust me, they're going to need it, man, because... You hear that? 74. I think it's going to be like 79 if they do it correctly. That means they can go out and get pieces. They can get a right guard. They can... No. They can get a left guard, a right tackle, uh, another wide receiver, uh... Edge rusher in a corner, and then establish depth. So that's what I think it is. But they should do that and push to the playoffs. I think they'll make the playoffs to make the right moves. All right, this is this is the Atlanta Falcons beat, but. If you haven't heard, every enemy made a lateral move to, I talked about the last week, a lateral move to go to the Washington Commanders. The team hasn't been sold yet. And everybody says he shouldn't. He should stay. I agree he should stay. He shouldn't have to prove himself. But let's hear what Get Up is talking about. You know, I do not like his very toxic positivity. <laughs> he has a toxic level of <laughs> optimism that truly, truly pains me because I feel many of the things that Kimberly A. Martin just said, and yet listening to Eric the Enemy, I actually don't want to say them. I, like her, am trying to understand as the goalpost continues to, continues to move that two coaches that lose in the Super Bowl, one that is supremely outcoached in the second half by Eric Bieniemy and by Andy Reid, both of those coaches are now head coaches in the NFL. And when you look at Eric Bieniemy and his resume, what he's accomplished, much to the accomplishments of a Doug Peterson, much to the accomplishments of a Matt Nagy, he's done both more than both of those coaches who were awarded head coaching positions, coaching and being the offensive coordinator under. Andy Reid. And so, but this is Eric Bieniemy betting on himself. This is Eric Bieniemy leading a Patrick Mahomes and going to Sam Howell. This is an Eric Bieniemy leading the Hunt family and going to dysfunction in the ownership position in Washington. And so there are so many things right now that are stacked against him. And my thought on it is this. Maybe Eric Bieniemy has figured to himself, you know what? I'm not going to get that head coaching job this way or that way the way I was in Kansas City. So it's time for me to move on and try something else. Maybe this is a move out of desperation to say I have to put myself in one of the worst positions and show that I can coach my way out of that position in order to be considered a good enough leader, a good enough man, to be the head coach of some other organization. This is a difficult pill to 
swallow because I don't feel that every enemy deserves to have to prove himself in this sort of situation. But because of his toxic optimism, his toxic positivity, I'm going to sit here and wait. And I'm going to hope that he does an amazing job coaching. And I'm going to hope that next year we can sit here and point to all the positivity and all the great things he did in Washington to say this is why he now deserves a coaching job. Or I'm going to wait for someone in some of these 15 or 16 head coaching interviews that he's had to tell us the reason why he is now the offensive coordinator in Washington. 16 head coach interviews with 15 different teams. Obviously, the enemy has become the symbol of a persistent diversity problem that the league has acknowledged, but has so far um, failed to fully correct. Tim Hasselbeck, if that's what he's doing, he's decided his better route to try and become a head coach is to leave Patrick Holmes and the Chiefs and go to Washington try and build his own thing there. Is that the right decision for him? I actually don't think that it is. I, I think, you know, Ryan probably touched on it with the, like maybe it, it feels like a desperation because of the, you know, move, because of the landing spot. I think that, you know, in terms of career move, you would much rather be in a scenario where you either are staying uh, in Kansas City, and, and I think all expectations would be that they would continue to be wild success in Kansas City without that structure, or go somewhere, you know, like, say, the Chargers, you know, where they, they too, have a, a really good quarterback and some talent on the roster. And so you yeah. could argue that, the, you know, the, the path to success, you know, is, is easier with a team like the Chargers than a team like Washington. And so in terms of, like, hey, is that the best career move? No, I, I would say no. To go to a team that is going to start uh, a second-year quarterback that has one start under his belt, um, you know, in an organization that's going to go through massive change uh, at the ownership level and, and, and probably other issues, like, no, that's not the best career move, uh, really, for any coordinator, much less a coordinator that has had success. So... Uh, look, it maybe is his path to becoming a head coach because if Sam Howell shows, you know, promise, it's going to be impossible to deny what, you know, Bianami has done for someone like Sam Howell. But I, would, I don't think that is the best career move for Bianami, no. Now, obviously, he faces significant challenges in Washington, but as you heard him say, he's not afraid of a challenge. We'll obviously keep track of how he does uh, there. Yeah, he shouldn't, but again team wasn't sold. He wasn't a one-year deal with Casey. And Andy Reid's not retiring any, any anytime soon. And the two losing, two losing coordinators got jobs. One in Arizona. The other in Indianapolis? No. Yeah, Indianapolis, yeah. In Indy, but hey. That's what happens when you're black and people don't know you. And a perception of you is that you don't do anything. But when another black dude hates on you, uh, because Shady McCoy did, listen to this. With the commanders. I hope he doesn't, but I think he will. What's his value? What makes him a good office coordinator? See, the problem is a lot of these people that go on social media, oh, he should be the guy for the job. They haven't played there. They're not in the locker room. I've been in the rooms where he's coaching, and he has nothing to do with the pass game at all. Right? When the plays are, are designed, that's Andy Reid. When you talk about 
offensive coordinators. I can tell you what makes Brian Dayball with the Giants a very, very good coordinator. I can tell you what Andy Reid or Doug Peterson. But when I ask about Dayball is a head coach. Um, Airbnb, what makes him good? When we watch the film on practices and we correct the, the, the wide receivers, the running backs, the, the quarterbacks, he doesn't talk in there. Andy Reid talks in there. He may say things to the running back because he's an ex-running back coach. I get that. But he has no real responsibility. Now you go from the Chiefs, where you can hide behind Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and then go to the Washington, where you got to call plays. got to run the meetings. you got to run the installs. The last issue I have with him is, what makes Andy Reid so great, not the call, the, the play calls, which we see that, which I mean, that's one of it. But the other thing is, like, adapting to the players. Who well, beginning me, he's, our first practice, I couldn't believe it. He dog coaching, he dog cussing the players. Right? And not just the regular players, Kelsey, you know, you know, other players. So it's like, it's hard for me. I'm rooting for him because he's a black coach, and I love to see black coaches win. Also, he's a running back coach. Running back coaches will never get a chance to be sure. office coordinators. The last one was like Anthony Lynn. So I want that to, 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 to do well for him. But if I have to do my job, to be honest, my thing is just where is the true value at? Is it then? Is it have anything to do with him being black in your opinion? I'll say, wait, Roger, gonna hell you. Don't, I, I don't know. You know what? Absolutely not. But people want to win. The color thing, I, I get it. It, it should be more black coaches. I definitely believe that. But if you come for the Chiefs, they want to win. He's a liar. He's a liar. He's a liar. He's spreading hate. Because under when. Because in any. I guess establishment. Um, such as a football team or. Military or anything that has a task. You have. The motivator, and you have the taskmaster. So I think Andy Reid is the one who gives you the the gentle hey pat on the back and have a good day, give you a hug. As the assistant head coach, Eric Bieniemy was the one that made sure you didn't get out of line. So. Shady McCoy had his lowest carries when he was with the Chiefs, but he won a ring. That's just him lashing out against the dude he thinks didn't give him the ball enough. It is what it is. He on TV because he got two rings for doing nothing. But hey, we sabotage ourselves. All right. We are in the point of the show where we can advertise or promote your product you can reach us at ninjas of another color at gmail.com we're on instagram on facebook and on tiktok give us a send us an email so we can promote your product on this platform this is ninjas of another color podcast rate us review comment subscribe resubscribe tell a friend to tell a friend uh the places that we we're being downloaded are new york washington virginia colorado kansas atlanta charlotte dallas houston austin san antonio albuquerque new mexico phoenix los angeles Salt Lake, Sacramento, San Jose, 
Portland, Seattle, and that awesome military base, Boardman Bombing Range. Yes. Rate us, review us, give us five stars, give us four stars, give us three stars, give us two stars, give us any stars, because if you don't give us any stars, I would think I'm doing it correctly. We are available on Spotify, Amazon Music, Samsung Podcasts, Pandora, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, yes, and we're working on Apple. You can support the, you can support the podcast via Cash App or Sell. Information is on the description in the podcast. Uh, right before we move on from sports, yesterday was a good day in the Florida State Nation because you know what? They all thought that Florida State... Just because we're having a bad year, we weren't going to win. But let's go to the crazy ending between FSU and Miami in Miami. Cleveland gave up nothing. Shot clock is six. Alex Miller, a lot of dribbling. Miller lost it. Cleveland ahead of the pack. Throws it down. Got away with a lot of steps. Multiple efforts. Scoring in isolation. Turning the water off on the Kings. Four-point lead, the largest for Florida State. Bond gets the crowd to its feet. And remember, Miami's out of timeouts. They burned their last timeout. With seven minutes and change to go in this half. Miller posting up Worley. Miller with the left hand. Florida State is big. Hopper to inbound. Miller for three for the lead. Got it! Final chance, Florida State. Worley. Cleveland for the win. It's good! Matthew Cleveland stuns Miami! Officials at the monitor to make sure it counted. I think he got that one off. I think Matthew Cleveland may have called game. He just looked at the fans and said, time to go home. The basket is good, and Florida State pulls off one of the most incredible comebacks of the season. On Miami's home floor, in a building where the Kings had not lost this season, Florida State down 23 at halftime, down by as many as 25, wins it on a Matthew Cleveland buzzer beater. Remember, Matthew Cleveland did this against Virginia last year. A missed assignment. Jordan Miller gets the three. Curtains, right? No, the kids call it the crap back. So cold as cheap cap him when he sleeps. Matthew Cleveland delivers the punctuation of all punctuation. 
seasons. A season that's been forgettable. Florida State provides a moment against their rival, and it looms large for ACC implications because now Virginia is back in the driver's seat to potentially win the ACC. Remarkable what just played out here in these final 20 minutes. Just you got to respect Matthew Cleveland, understanding time and the ability to get to a spot to offer up a shot that he felt comfortable getting. He did that same thing a year ago versus Virginia. He has a penchant for this moment, and he made it happen. That is incredible stuff from that young man. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, there's nothing better than having your opposing team, your rival, thinking they're going to win the ACC. Have them shut up. Silence. Like we say, silence is golden. Hopefully, this will get them on a run for the ACC tournament. I think they know they can beat some people, but this year was a bad year due to injury. But I really, really hope that all the pieces that can come back will come back. Those guys don't go to the league because they are going to be deadly if they stay together. And they're going to run rampant. I mean, they're going to kick ass next year in the ACC. Don't forget, because of COVID, Florida State is owed a national championship. Yes, I said it. The Florida State men's basketball team is owed a national championship because of COVID. Because that year where Trent Forrest and that team won the ACC tournament and won the ACC but there was no uh, uh, March Madness that year. That year, they would have won. Can't tell me nothing better. Anything different. But, hey, it is what it is. FSU all day. Moving on. Earth Man and the Wasp. The movie came out, but it's... Is it up to standards? Let's listen. Man and the Wasp Wandmania saw some pretty impressive numbers over the last four-day weekend we just had when the film debuted. But now, of course, it's the second weekend, and we realistically got to start looking at some drops that the film is going to have weekend over weekend, and if Ant-Man is strong enough to fight off the cocaine bear. So let's get the first thing out of the way. Is Ant-Man going to be able to come out with his hand raised this weekend, outperforming Cocaine Bear in his debut weekend? Yes. All expectations are that, yes, Ant-Man will come out at number one. But where exactly it's going to come in, we don't really know. But the predictions are obviously in. So what we're talking about here is an estimated 35 to 40 million. 40 million high-end, obviously... 35, maybe below that, who knows, on the low end. So everybody seems pretty comfortable saying it's going to perform just about as expected with a 60-ish percent drop somewhere about there. Now again, things could always change. I am super excited to watch Cocaine Bear. I don't know if I'll make it this weekend, unfortunately. I did re-watch Ant-Man. I might go watch it again. I don't know. Um... I'm very excited for so many films coming out, and we're slowly starting to see that people are going back now, even for films like Cocaine Bear, for example. So that could honestly affect Ant-Man. And again, I think word of mouth has something to do here, because we're seeing that a lot of people are saying, well, I'm seeing a lot of my friends say Ant-Man is not as bad as the critics are saying. 
So that could, in turn, literally turn to this weekend performing that 40 million. If it's over 40 million, then Ant-Man ultimately doesn't have to worry about suffering some sort of massive drops weekend over weekend, and it's going to show pretty stable length. 35, you know, that 5 million window, it would be bad if it does 35, but again, it's not the end of the world, and as the film is out in a lot of big territories, International is looking to carry this film forward, because International, typically with Ant-Man, has been huge, especially if you look at Asian territories, which is strangely where Ant-Man has overperformed every time. Who knows? I guess they love Ant-Man over there for whatever reason. So we'll see how it does by maybe Sunday night or Monday. We'll talk about it. And it's going to be interesting. If this thing underperforms, ugh, the third weekend's going to look pretty abysmal. But you never know. But it is going up against Cocaine Bear in on March 1st. Creed premieres. Yes, Creed comes out. The third installment of Creed or the ninth Rocky movie, maybe? It's in the Creed. The Creed and Rocky in the same franchise. So, no Rocky in this one. He's going up against a childhood friend. So, you got Ant-Man and the Wasp, Cocaine Bear, and Creed next weekend, or this weekend. As of this tape, and this is February 26th. Creed premieres in five days. No, Monday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, Thursday, Wednesday, three days. All right, let's check it out.
Creed 3 directed by Michael B. Jordan story by Ron Kugler I guess the Kugler brothers yeah um hope it does well because he's a black dude and he's directing it and more power to him it looks like a good story hope it tears it up alright now to the last season of The Flash if you were here last week yes they revealed Red Death but twist to it spoiler alert in the comics Red Death is a version of Batman with Flash powers in this one it's Batwoman with bad powers last week Red Death is trying to build um, cosmic treadmill cosmic treadmill to allow speedsters to uh, go through time erase timelines blah 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 again it jumps the shark and last week they went to their own rogues gallery to steal it and guess what? They lost. Spoiler alert. But they revealed that Red Death is. Wait for it. Is this yeah. It's the scariest thing I've ever seen. But it gets worse. He's using negative speed, which is how he was able to dampen my speed for a few minutes. Why would a speedster need a time machine? The darkness and decay. And the Red Death held illimitable dominion overall. Edgar Allan Poe, and you know the story. Seven revelers on a masquerade, killed by the stranger in their midst. Look, I know what you're all thinking, but this is about more than stealing tech now. This new speedster, I don't know who he is yet, I don't know why he wants to build a time machine, but Team Flash can't stop him on their own. Especially now if he has his own rogue army. I need your help. All of you. Barry, this is not what we signed up for. Well, but I have a son to keep safe in this town. So, I guess if you need me... did like a good underdog story that and if central city gets leveled you're out of business i said i'd help find out who this guy is find out his weakness and call us i guess trusting them wasn't a bad idea after all yeah i know i just keep thinking this speedster what if they're the new negative speed force avatar? Yeah, I feel like we just got rid of the last one. There's something else. There was a symbol on his armor. Looked like a bat. Hey, we have to talk to Chester. 
So I just got off the phone with Luke Fox versus Boomerang, Amara's Knives, even Vatic's funky violin. Luke thinks they all resemble advanced paint tech designs, but their nanotech foundations are beyond bleeding edge. So he has no idea who we're up against. What about this new speech they're wearing a bat symbol? Team Bats never fought a baddie dressed like that. But they have some drama of their own. A few weeks ago, Ryan Wilder went out on patrol. She never came back. We had a new speedster in a bat suit, and Batwoman is missing? Could that be a coincidence? Okay, so what do we do now? We find this new speedster. And we stop it. Ladies and gentlemen, Batwoman is Red Death. Wonk, 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 wonk. Alright, I am not going to spoil it for anyone, but I'll see you next week. I'm just waiting until the Flash Kids on the screen and this franchise ends. Alright, did you know they are making a remake of White Men Can't Jump? Yes, I said it. White men can't jump. Just like coming to America, there are certain things that should not be remade, but let's check out the trailer. I probably should ask this guy here, but how much cash do you have on you? Should not bring enough money to cover this game. I brought like 80. Minus 60. Ready? Or ready? What's up, it's your boy? It's almost done. Anderson, the best in psychological warfare. Who is P.T. Anderson? Our greatest living director. Spike Lee is our greatest living director. Spike Lee's not even a good Knicks fan. I know this was a mistake. Again, it should be on Hulu. But, we're going to check it out. It's coming out next month. And, guess what comes out on the first, people? No. Yes. The Mandalorian hits on the first. Yes, so The Last of Us and Mandalorian. A lot of Pablo, 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 Pablo. Check it out.
The Mandalorian Season 3 starts in March. He will go back to Mandalore. We will see Grogu. We will see... Damn, I'm getting old. Apollo. Apollo will be there. Also, we will... I think we'll get a new ship. Uh, You know how... All the TV shows is for selling ships. Alright, moving on to the best show on Disney Plus. It's the Bad Batch. Yes, last week their ship was stolen. This week they found their ship and and they might have found a new ally. So let's get to the high parts. operational heap of junk. We forgot about Gonky. He's still on the Marauder. I'm a- we can track Gonky. But I found something you're going to like. Lower the shield. I'll have to sell you for parts. Because you're useless to me. That's our defective power droid. Now where's our ship? <laughs> Oi, Gonky. You okay? What do you care how that thing's doing? It's just a beat-up old battery. Not to us. That ship? Marco has it. He gave me the droid as a gift. Well, and who is this Marco? I can't help you go against Marco. So you're an Ipsia minor and a ship thief. Marco says they're useful skills. But your loss is now...
Dixie and Miners? Nope. You stole the wrong ship. No tricks. I'm not trying to get caught either. You didn't ask me what condition to be in. How's that my fault? <laughs> I stole the ship, and it still didn't make me the top earner. really treat you like you're one of them. My Marco did that. Our ship is our home. It's the only one we really have. Sorry I stole it. Most of this data is just Marco's profit reports. Where are the others? Garage Bay. Sorry. I had to. So you think you can come here and steal from me? Technically, this ship belongs to us. Marco, the Ipsium's not degraded. You've been cutting us out and keeping the profits for yourself. We toil down in the mines while you enjoy the spoils. Ladies and gentlemen, if you didn't recognize the voice, Ben 10 was doing the thief, the Ezra lookalike. And just like last week or the week before, they paid homage to Indiana Jones. And in the other week in the, the Canyon thing, they paid homage to the Lion King. That was the Atlas antelopes stampede scene and in this in this one they were showing you that an old guy using blind loyalty against kids yeah so good for them bad batch is still the best thing on disney plus and the thief guy will be will be back the ezra lookalike will be probably back to steal something for them all right we are at the point in the show where you can promote your business on this platform just email us at ninjas of another color at gmail.com we are available on facebook uh, also on tiktok and i am your host d-o-t-t-l-e-y this is the ninja of another color podcast Rate us, review us, follow, subscribe, give us feedback, give us five stars, give us four stars, give us three stars, give us two stars. If you don't give us any stars, I'll just assume I'm doing it perfectly. We are available on Spotify, Amazon Music, Samsung Podcasts, Pandora, Google Podcasts, and TuneIn. Yes, we're still working on Apple. Yes, we're still working on Apple. Alright, moving forward, let's give a shout out 
to Ashford, Ashburn, Virginia, for listening. Thank you so much. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Let's expand our reach. Okay, we are on the relationship portion of our podcast. Hopefully, we can get some feedback on the topics we're on. Uh, one I came across on the internet. Struggling men are prize. When did this happen? Somebody let me know. Check it out. Hi, guys. Nine times out of ten, the things that are often overlooked are exactly where your attention should be. We're in a social media world, a world where everything is visual, but the funny thing is a lot of women are still so blind. They see the dollar signs, the status, the lifestyle, all of which are attached to a man that's not worth her time, but that's exactly who gets all of it. See, what you don't understand is the same man that you look down on because he was working a 9-to-5 regular guy out every day grinding to make it is the same man who would have treated you right, but you overlooked the person you should have seen, and that's the case with so many women. A person will show you who they truly are when you have nothing to offer them. When you have little to no benefit to offer is when you will see what a person is truly about and where your relationship stands. A lot of women neglect the beauty of dating a struggling man, but that's where the foundation of trust is built. The loyalty, the commitment, because he's not trying to win you over with any money because he doesn't have it. (laughs) He's going to win you over with effort, consistency, and that comes with respect. See, you only value and respect something that you had to work hard to get. He understands the sweat, the long days, the living paycheck to paycheck, the goal setting, working overtime just to take you somewhere nice, etc. That's where 90% of the time the guy with wealth falls short. He has no respect for you. He didn't put in any effort with you. He didn't have to work to build a foundation with you. He simply bought you. To him, you're just another prize on the shelf, something to pull out when he wants to play with it and throw back when he's done. That's what most wealthy men do. They buy things because they can, not because they need it. Hell, sometimes not even because they want it, just because they can. They're more intrigued with the fact that they can buy you instead of actually being intrigued with you. To him, you come at a monetary cost, and he can buy a thousand more of you because you come a dime a dozen. You're nothing special. But with the struggling man, your love was bought with authenticity and genuineness that was built on solid ground, and that's the beauty within the struggle. So until the next video, I'll see you guys later. Bye. Okay. Ladies, so you're telling me a broke man is the best one for you? Please reach out at ninja of another color at gmail.com also we're on tiktok please let me know the struggling man is the prize i thought the wealthy man was the prize but hey uh i'm trying to figure it out 48 49 years on this planet 20 22 years of dating hey this newfangled stuff you gotta let me know Alright. Are you lame? Are lames winning? Are lames losing? If you don't know uh, if you don't know what a lame is, that's a lame guy. I think I'm considered a lame, but let's figure out five things that make you a lame guy. Check it out. Here are five things that a lot of guys do that make you look lame. Um Dehydrated hair, hyaluronic acid in your hair, new Elvive Hyaluron Pump. Number one, uh, number one thing that guys do to make them look lame is um, giving with expectation. This is probably one of the lamest things that a human being can ever do. And it's something that you see a lot of guys doing. Um, 
when you do something nice for a girl, you buy her flowers, you take her out to dinner, or something like that, whatever the case may be, and then you think because you did that that all of a sudden now you're in a relationship, or you're going to smash right after that, I'm not sitting here trying to get on no moral high ground with you, but what I'm saying is this, that when you do something like that, it makes the girl feel like that's what you have to do to get girls. Not like you did it out of the kindness of your heart or because you thought it was a cool thing to do. When you do something nice for somebody without really expecting anything, it gives whatever you did a lot more value. Because now you did it and you're not sitting here feeling bad about it. You're not feeling stupid. A lot of guys get emotionally connected to money that they spend. And when you get emotionally connected to money, that's silly because money can't emotionally connect to you back. People are going to be putting their hands in your pocket your entire life. If you have any money, someone's going to be taking some of that money, regardless of whether you want them to or not. You're going to get, you're going to lose some of it to the government. You're going to lose some of it to um, bills and things of that nature. You're going to lose money. So whenever you do something for somebody, if you give something to somebody, don't feel like, oh, if I don't get something back out of it, it was a bad choice. <clears throat> don't give anything that you don't want to give. If you don't want to take a girl out to dinner, don't take her out. If you say McDonald's is all I can do without feeling like I have to get sex or this has to become a relationship, when you take her to McDonald's, you don't want to get yourself to the point where you're giving something, expecting something in return, because that's going to make you look lame. Because now you look like somebody who is trying to bribe a girl into giving you some booty, and that looks whack. Just being realish. Um, number two thing that makes God looks lame. That makes God look lame. Um, Unearned emotion. A lot of times as guys, we'll get upset about certain things with people that we really just met. Or we get mad at a girl because things aren't turning out the way we thought it would. And we think, oh man, if I get mad and I cuss this girl out, I'm really going to show her. But all you really do is look lame and you look silly. You look like you can't control yourself. Because she's saying, wow, what do we have for us to be that emotional? I'm going to be as real with you as I can possibly be. No woman is ever going to feel sorry for your ass. It isn't going to happen. Women are not programmed to feel sorry for you. They don't feel sorry for you when you start crying. Oh, why are you treating me this way? I really care about you. Why? They don't care if you get mad. Why are you acting like this? You ain't going to call me? Oh, you ain't going to pick up the phone after I did this stuff for you? You bitch. You start acting all crazy and start talking stupid. They're looking at you like, wow, this dude is crazy. Wow, he's lame. It doesn't matter how many names you try to call them, what kind of stuff you try to do. They know you're doing that out of anger, so it's not hurting their feelings. It's making you look whack. So what you want to make sure you do is not get all emotional because they haven't earned that emotion. When you give a girl your emotions, you're giving her what she wants. It's kind of like you being a hoe. When you're giving a woman your emotions right off top, it's like when a girl gives you sex and you just met her. Like you met her in the mall that day, and then she just lets you smash in the parking lot. That's basically what it's like when you give a girl your emotions and she hasn't earned them. She doesn't respect them anymore, and she doesn't respect you. You start looking lame. So don't be an emotional hoe. Uh, you can't just give them up. Don't just give up your emotions like that. Don't get all extreme one way or the other until that girl has earned the fact that you would be emotional about something she does. Uh, number three thing that makes a guy look lame. Hating and jealousy. When you hate or you're jealous, it makes you look whack. A lot of times you may think, oh, if I put down her last boyfriend or if I put down this other guy 
or talk trash about him or whatever the case may be. That's going to make me look better by comparison. But the reality of the situation is you're not going to look better. You're going to look whack. You're going to look lame. You're going to look like those people are better than you and you are trying to bring them down to your level. Even if that's not the case. When she says, I dated this guy back in the day, you go, oh, you dated that guy? Oh, he's whack. Oh, oh. You try to say something negative about the dude, it makes it look like you're concerned about that person, which makes you look lame. If you see other guys and you try to say something negative about them or you try to bring them down in some kind of way, it makes you look lame. Whenever you hate or whenever you're jealous, it makes it look like you don't have enough to offer to be confident in yourself, so you're trying to bring other people down to your level. It doesn't matter what level you're operating on, that's how it looks. If you're working as the head surgeon at a hospital and you're hating on the janitor, it makes it look like he's better than you some way. You know, and you know it. That's what it looks like, and it makes you look lame. So that's something you got to be very careful of, how you talk about other people and how you even acknowledge other people. Because that'll make you look like somebody who doesn't have much going for them, even if you do. Um, number four thing that uh, guys do to make themselves look like, trying to impress. When you try to impress a girl, it really just makes you look whack. Now, some of this can seem like, you know, it's common sense to some people, but it's not to everybody. So that's why I'm talking about it. A lot of times, and you, some people don't know exactly what I mean by trying to impress. I'm not just talking about, oh, I went out here and bought a nice car, or what I hear about that. Like, no, I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about you going, oh, I got this much money in my bank account, or I got that much money. Yeah, that can make you look lame, but I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about when you try to act like you're better than everybody else, when you try to act like you're on, operating on some higher level than the rest of the guys in the world. Oh, I would never do that. Oh, I'm this. Oh, I'm that. Oh, I'm morally above all the rest of these. Really, it just makes you look lame because a girl can tell that you're trying to sell her the same bull crap that every other guy does. Believe me, every other guy is saying the same crap that you're saying right now. So you're making yourself look lame because all you're doing is trying to separate yourself from other people with your words and not necessarily your actions. So when you try to try to impress a girl, when you do things to try to impress her that you know is not authentic, she can tell those things aren't authentic either. You pull it out chairs and you know you don't do that. You um. Talking about you see some other guy do something, you know, oh, well, I would do this or I would do that. It makes you look whack. Um, don't try to impress a girl. It, it never works. Just, and I know it sounds cliche, but just be yourself. You know, really, just be yourself. Go out there and operate in the way that you're comfortable with because that's going to show that you believe in yourself and you're confident. Um, number five, this is the last one. Um, thing that makes a guy look lame is really just. Being a yes man, that's one of the biggest things that make you look lame. When you try to agree with everything a girl says because you think that's going to make her like you more, you think that's going to make her think you guys got something in common, the reality of the situation is you're doing what every other guy's probably done. If she's a pretty girl, she's used to people agreeing with her. She's used to people saying she's the smartest person in the room. Oh my gosh, you said something so amazing. Really? Oh, I agree with you, girl. Yeah, you're right. Uh-huh. Most of the guys are going to be doing that. So what that does is that blends you in with every other guy that she's talked to that day, that week, that month, that year, that lifetime. You are no different from the rest of them. But when you say what you feel and you disagree with something, you call her on her bullcrap, that is going to make a girl remember you. If she likes you or not, it really doesn't matter. But that's going to make her remember you. 
Because if she liked you a little bit and you disagreed and kept it real, what that did was that took you here. That put you at a different level than the rest of those guys. That took you outside of the norm. So when you say something like that, like, I disagree with this, I disagree with what you're saying, I disagree with what you think, what that does is that makes that girl remember you that much more. And if she already liked you, it's not like she's going to stop liking you because you disagree with her. It's going to make her remember you or remember how much she liked you. You can't just stop liking somebody because they disagree with you. If it was that easy, we would never be in bad relationships. You don't have the control to say, oh, I'm just, I don't like you anymore. You can't do that. So just because you disagree with her, that's not going to stop her from liking you. What that's going to do is that's going to make her see that you're actually a man. you got some balls. Because for me, I've talked to plenty of girls that I was the first dude and the only dude at the party disagreeing with them. They say something, I'm like, man, I don't agree with that bull crap. And they would get mad at me at the time. Some girls started out not liking me. But they dis- they 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 stopped. They didn't like me at first initially. But they did because they knew I was real and what I was saying was real. I was honest whether they agreed with me or not. It just sets you apart because people start saying that they can get a real opinion from you. And the rest of these dudes are just yes men who are going to start disagreeing later on down the line. So hopefully I was able to help you out. You guys put some of the things that you feel make a guy look lame. You know, help each other out. Uh, because some people watch these. <laughs> yeah, help me out. What is a lame guy? Am I one? I'm different from everybody, so. Uh, so, if you're hearing this podcast, please respond. You can hit us up at ninjas of another color at gmail.com or hit us up on at ninjas of another color on Instagram. We're also available on TikTok. Let us know. Are lame guys winning or are they losing? Are the struggling guys getting the girl? Are the rich guys still in power? Which I totally agree with. But hey, it is what it is. Alright, for our main question. Our main question of the night. I asked this on the internet. And I I don't think I got the correct response. But why do women get upset when you ask them, what do you bring to the table? Please respond back. Hit us up. Email us. Hit us up on TikTok and IG. But let's check this out. Alright, well, we're going to get straight into it because I understand this question is on the socials and we want to know why. Why do women get upset with the question, what do you bring to the table? Yeah, please let me poor? know. I'm sorry? Are you poor? Oh, I'm not poor. Mm-hmm. No? I'm asking a question. Like, okay. We got to be poor to ask that question? Kind of. Explain. Because. Okay. Okay. Before she gets into it. Okay. Just real quick. Again. Can't even go 10 seconds when poised with a non-threatening, realistic question. The first thing. Shaming. Are you poor? And guys, listen, here's what here's what I, I actually hate to see, okay? I hate to see so often these podcast groups where the men are being logical, they're being respectful, they're being this, they're being that, and then the women just go completely off the goddamn rails with their disrespect, with their shaming and their insults, okay? I don't like to see it. I would much rather see two great types of conversations between both so we can come to an understanding, but when you go down to the surface level bullshit that she just tried to play, this is what you get, okay? But let's let's hope that maybe she 
was just joking, and then she comes back in and helps us. If you looked at me and you saw me, you knew that you wanted me. You're approaching me on Sex- Rick. What probably sexually. That- mm, I don't think so. But what? what does that have to do with what I bring to the table? You knew that you saw me and you liked me. So why do you need to know what I bring to the I'm, table? I'm, you saw me and you liked me. F-I-C- wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Look at where, hold on, hold on. So why do you need to know what I bring to the table? Look, look, look at my man right here. <laughs> like, look at my man over here as well. Just try to compute the pure malarkey. Let me go. Yes, because we're being poised and we're taking turns. If I see when I like you, that's purely physical, correct? I mean, it depends. I'm going off what you look like, so that's physical. You could have met me in the library with a little librarian sweater on. That would mean like, oh, I, I know. I don't know you nothing else about you. <laughs> so because you're in the library, I like. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, um, I'd like to uh, if she's bringing something physical to the table, Please then bring you it know home. what she brought to the table. Um, the physical. Oh, titties and ass. That you asked it to the table, did you not? That's what she got. I didn't ask it to the table. You invited it to the table. Don't say that to all of This is like people that ask for $20 and then when you ask for it back, they're like, oh, you mad about your little funky $20. Don't say, don't say, oh, this is all you got? You, This is what you asked? So you knew what it was. If I'm seeing as the titties, I'm going to run into the bedroom, not the table. So then why are you asking about the table? After we get past the ass and titties, now we want to know what else is behind this ass and titties. Well, then you should have right. times and you show me. Right. Figure that we, out. That's why we ask that question. Should we, should no, we waste no, our time getting to question. know you that's, if you bring no value? Why is that a waste of time? Are you, it, it's such a waste of time. And listen, here, here's what happened. Now, so, what the lady in the middle was trying to do was to try to shame them into saying, all y'all care about is service level shit, ass and titties. But then what the men tried to do is that they tried to bring it back to the actual, well, after that, okay, if you want to just come up with, with the supposition that, you know, dudes are looking for, you know, ass and titties, then you could absolutely do that, but let's go after that, like, what's in your mental? Because more than likely, a dude who walks up to you doesn't know you from a hole in a wall is going off of some aesthetic value of what you might bring to a proverbial table, but then it's like, well, what else after that? Because the ass and the titties are not going to get you a relationship, okay? It'll get you the meat. It won't get you a relationship. But here's the here's the just pure ridiculousness about this. And they get so mad about this. It's like I'm walking into a store and there's a product sitting on the shelf and said product has no labeling. It don't got no nutritional facts. And it costs $100. And the sales associate is just like, well, well, what do you mean what can it do for you? Don't you just see it right there? <laughs> what do you mean? I, it, Dog, I'm not going to buy this $100 item with no labeling on it. Like, I don't, I don't know what it can do for me, right? That's really what the question is. It's the whiff of okay? What's in it for me? All right? Guys got to make it abundantly clear. But y'all don't? You, are you hiring? Like, no, men, men are the one that's risking themselves in a relationship more than a woman is. How? Because we're the one that's spending our time, money, wow. and resources. They don't and they're protecting y'all. Women have money, many, women have time. Y'all they have to do the money. same thing that you have to say. No, if you're worried about money, then you could dig it's up. It's not about money, it's about everything else. Sweet, come, come, come on, what's the truth that oh. said earlier today that women do not pay on first dates, right? I said women shouldn't pay on first dates. So that means. 
Men's supposed to be on the first date, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I'm supposed to be on the first date. What do you, what do you got? You're not risking What does that have to do with what I'm bringing to the table? Obviously, whatever you ask to come to the table is what I'm bringing. Long story short, you could have left me alone and I would have So because I approach you, I don't have the right to know what else you're going to give me in. I just feel like if you're approaching, I just feel like if you're approaching the table based on ass and titties and whatever else you saw that you might have liked, you're already doing that's not the argument. Well, I mean, I mean, we gotta get to know you. Somebody based off attraction, correct? You don't need to get to know my vagina. That's what you offer first. I'm gonna take it. But that's how they offer. No, no, Again, what they're doing is just pure and utter deflection because they don't want to be responsible for what they contribute to men. They don't want to be responsible for that, so they go down to the low-level, surface-level tactic of shaming them based off of men's sexual desires. Stop shaming men for being attracted to women in the way that we are. It's our biology. Get over that. Men are attracted to what they see, but y'all are attracted to what y'all hear. So, how do you make a perfectly seasoned meal? Make it with perfectly seasoned Hillshire Farm smoked sausage. Only Tylenol Rapid Release Jones have laser-drilled holes. They release medicine fast for fast pain We're okay with letting you know what we can provide, but when we flip that on the flip side to let us know what it is that we're being set up for, that's when y'all have a particular issue. But what a track no, Nobody us. offered it to no. you. You said, hey, I like you. Come to the table with me. And, and, and then when no, I go, no, 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 so what is the question about? Okay, so after we done, you put your clothes back on. Now, let's talk. We at the table now? Or yeah, we, we still at the back? We at the table. No, no, See, we at the table. We asking why should y'all even come to the table? Why? We why did you ask? Like, what, what you mean? Because you men want to build long-term relationships with women. Outside of sex. Right, starting in the back? The it doesn't matter where we start. That's how we finish. That's how we finish. with that question. You fast-tracking everything. If you're not hiring me for a job, why am I answering to you what I bring to the table? Either you're going to take your time. you are going to take your time to get to know me and figure out what I, what it is that so, I bring. So, or so let me ask you, a you question. don't really want me to be here. What, what questions are you asking on the first date? you have kids do you have Why? a job what are you bringing to the table that thinks they're in a relationship with you yeah, at this know. point in time well, right that's exact but that's the exact same question that is what are you bringing to the table but asking a dude why he should qualify for the insides that's the same thing jesus i'm not gonna sit there and ask you what you bring to the table because i'm because fine you know, do, you do you have a job right that's one of them don't, right. don't bypass so, you have so, kids so, so, all right so all right you ain't got no kids do you have a job you say, yeah, I have a job. Is that the end of that? No, obviously, you're going to ask more questions exactly, to know the person. Exactly. That's what you want to hear. That's basically what you want to say. That's basically the female version right, of what you want to say. Right, but you don't just start off with what you bring to the table. All right, but nobody already said we started off like that. I'll bring whatever you pay me. We obviously not starting off with what you bring to the table. We just said that we starting off. Well, you ask why women get upset because it takes away from you actually trying to take your time to get to know me and ask any other questions. It makes us want to invest our time. No, I'm a man. I'm a man. And I ask the woman that get offended this question. Right. If you get offended, you know listen, how anybody that gets offended by this table. question, listen, anybody that gets offended by this question right now, yo, Jew, 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 Hey, guys, and listen, and I, again, I didn't know this conversation was going to take this turn, but again, the guys are asking very poignant, very logical questions, okay? And then what is the response? What are you, a woman? Like, 
Why even try to hit below the belt like that? But far too often you see this type of communication between men and women. The men are being respectful, high degree of integrity, and then the women keep on throwing pot shots, right? Keep on trying to hit below the belt, right? Putting in their uh, sexuality into question, right? Or their genders in the question. Why? Why can't you just attack the point with your knowledge, with your thoughts, like why? I, like it, it, for the life of me, I just don't understand why this happens time and time again. Wicked tongues, but guys, like I said before, you discovered a wicked tongue. Maybe use the wicked tongue to your advantage, but otherwise than that, they fall the streets. All right, keep your sanity, gents. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Anybody that can't hey, yo, answer this you. question, male or female, confidently, doesn't have any true value to bring to the table. I ain't gonna hold you. Big truth, right? Because we don't want to answer. Yeah, so, so, so why, why can't you? If you want some white woman in the store and she's like, "Oh, you stole my phone," and she's like, "Show me your phone to prove you didn't that's steal a, that's it." That's a false equivalence. That's a false. Oh my god! You don't have to answer the question. That doesn't mean that you're an actual thief. You don't have to answer. That's a false. It's the audacity of asking the question. That's a problem with the question is. Is being asked too soon. That's what that was the worst analogy I've ever heard. But you just said you asking him what's his Take job and occupation. What does he do? How much he make it? Take your time and get to know a person. Don't come Why would I have to follow up questions? No, that's the follow up questions you got. So what's the follow up to? What's the follow up? What's the follow up to? What do you do for a living? I'm asking a plethora of questions. I'm going to ask you what's your favorite color. That don't have nothing to do with what you bring to the table. I'm asking things to get to know a person. So we just got a mask. Is what you said. I just so, 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 so men are wrong for being more no. direct. Wait, 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 wait. To me, it just feels like <laughs> why are we asking this question after you don't try to touch my body? Like, what are you, you talking about? Why? 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 You're putting yourself into a conversation that had nothing to do with the question. This, this is women and their feelings. They feel like they're saying that, but no one actually ever said that. During the conversation, look at my man in the middle. <laughs> like, look at my man over here. How did you even get to that conclusion, mama? That's why it's so difficult to have conversations with y'all. That's why it's so difficult. Literally, no one in the conversation said nothing of what you just said. But we're expected to have clear, concise, and coherent conversations with you. That's why dudes so often say, you can't enter in women into these male-focused conversations because y'all just be bugging. <laughs> y'all just be bugging. Let's keep going. Y'all said that it was a You never said that. I'm inviting you to the bedroom. you What else besides attraction do you bring to the table? But if she was a transformer, her name would be Deflecticon. Okay? Get off the body shit and answer the goddamn question. Holy moly. Progressing into anything. Uh-huh. It's, it's not like you gonna see an ugly nigga and be like, oh my god, I wanna be with that nigga. Like This is very yeah, true. My thing is Women have all these standards yeah, for men. No, no. Women love police. Real. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. <laughs> hold on, Keen. Women love policing men's standards, Big right? True. Anytime, especially a black man, let a black man have some standards. I.e., yeah. I want you to have kids. I want you to be in shape. I want you to um, be feminine. Y'all, y'all start going crazy, yeah. start going ham. As soon as we ask the question, yo, what is worth, what, 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 what do you bring to the table, right? 
then becomes an issue. Like y'all, y'all can ask us a million and one questions, and we got to answer it. We got to prove to y'all that we're the point. That we got to prove to y'all that we're provided, that we masculine, that we assertive, that we can be leaders. Oh, yeah, we got six figures. Exactly. Like, and we can't even ask y'all one simple question without y'all getting offended. It's giving someone hurt me, and I'm bitter. That's the easy way to Honestly, nobody said Nobody said we're getting so I'm smart and I want to use my time valuably. Like, so I'm asking the right question. Yes, sir. That's what it's given. If you really want to ask, if you can't answer that, then that's a red flag and I'm going to move on to the next. Big true. Thanks. That's what I'm saying. If y'all can't answer that question, then it's something y'all don't bring value. You asked why women would get offended, so I gave you reasons why. Because you're trying to fast track the process of getting to know somebody. Nobody said we didn't answer. Nobody said we we don't have anything to add. You're fast tracking the process as if we're on an interview for a job. So is it the way that the question is asked that bothers women? Yes. And you're fast tracking the process. Realistically, me being a man and asking that question to females. I honestly believe that they don't have shit to offer. Why do you call women females? Yeah, I can't even answer what y'all have to offer. Did you ask it? We just what are you talking about? Why women got offended? And I answered. We never. We never. never never asked the question. Right. Okay. Obviously, enough men are asking this question for y'all to get offended, right? No, that has nothing. You just asked us. Why do women get offended? I answered. Okay. If why do women get why do women get offended by a question that majority of the men are asking, right? I feel like. Answered this question already. Okay, so then why, why are you trying to police what we can ask or what we can't Nobody ask? Nobody should. I didn't say you couldn't ask. I told you why women you're get offended. You're not. You're not comprehending. That's the point. You can ask. You're problematic. Okay. Not asking me. Wow. Okay. So y'all want to say? You got anything to say on this subject? I mean, I thought relationships were like y'all was supposed to build together and take time. Ain't no building together. It's no building together. Y'all women don't want to build together. Y'all want a man that's already established. What are you doing? Stop it. Stop it. Right. You're generalizing. You're generalizing. So y'all want to sit here and act like women don't want men to already be established? They're, we're not acting like anything. We answered the question. asked the question. We answered it thoroughly to the best. Hey, it wasn't a good enough answer. That's why men I mean, keep asking this question. I'm going to keep telling men to keep asking this question. If they can't answer it without getting offended, the then y'all going to move on to the next. Answer. Here's the thing. Let me tell you what guys from my perspective. I think that the what, are, uh, what do you bring to the table question is more like an internet question. It's not like a question that I would ever ask in a, like a conversation with somebody outside of like a social discourse of a group of people, you know what I'm saying? We're kind of talking about gender dynamics and stuff like that. But like on a one-on-one, str- I'm not asking a young lady, so what is it that you bring to the table? I think that that question, um, asking it in that particular fashion um, is a little bit awkward. It's a little bit cringe. But what is it that I do is I just ask a series of questions around that question in order to try to find out what type of lady that she is. So although I don't ask the question flat out, the questions that I do ask help me get into their thinking about life and the things that they value and why. The why is one of the most dangerous questions that you can ask anybody because you're asking people to describe how they came to a certain conclusion about something. And what you'll often find is most people don't know why for like these hot button topic type conversations and you could tell here from the answers of the young ladies that's sitting at the table they don't have a why they just don't like the question shout out again to the daily rapper crew thank you so much for giving this content guys again there's a link to it down description box down below i didn't even go through 10 percent of that conversation but i can already tell right now i'm gonna have a headache if i if i go over any more questions comments concerns 
Alright, that's the media controls and reviews. I agree with them. You gotta make time and place for to ask that question. But, ladies, please, why do you get offended if someone asks you what you bring to the table? You're in a serious relationship or starting a serious relationship. Why do you get offended? Why does that question? Does it make, does it upset you because it places a value of what you do to that person or for that person? Excuse me. Fine. All right. You can reach us at Ninjas of Another Color at gmail.com or at Ninjas of Another Color on Instagram, but also on TikTok. All right. Since it is Black History Month. Let's get a little educated. Black History Month was created in 1926 in the United States when historian Carter Godwin Woodson and the Association for the Study of Negro Life and History announced the second week of February to be Negro History Week. Since the 1890s, black communities celebrated the birthdays of two people considered to have a big impact on black history in the United States. Abraham Lincoln, February 12th. The American president that issued a preliminary emancipation proclamation that declared all enslaved people be forever freed in 1863. And Frederick Douglass, February 14th. After escaping slavery, he became a national leader of the abolitionist movement to end slavery and famous for his anti-slavery writings. In 1915, Woodson traveled to Washington, D.C. to participate in a national celebration of the nationwide emancipation. He was inspired by experiences from his trip to create an organization to promote the study of black life and history. Soon after, he helped to form what is now known as the Association for the Study of African American Life and History. This association in 1926 sponsored a National Negro History Week, choosing the second week of February to coincide with Lincoln and Douglas's birthday. This inspired schools and communities nationwide to organize events to celebrate. The first Negro History Week was met with a lukewarm response, gaining the cooperation of the Department of Education of the states of North Carolina, Delaware and West Virginia, as well as the city school administrations of Baltimore and Washington, D.C. Woodson felt that at least one week would allow for the general movement to become something annually celebrated. He realized the subject needed to resonate with a greater audience. Woodson contended that the teaching of black history was essential to ensure the physical and intellectual survival of the race. If a race has no history, it has no worthwhile tradition. It becomes an unimportant factor in the world, and it stands in danger of being exterminated. By 1929, with only two exceptions, officials with the State Departments of Education of every state 
with considerable black population made the event known to their teachers and distributed official literature. Churches also played a significant role in the distribution of literature, with the black press aiding in the publicity effort. Throughout the 1930s, Negro History Week countered the growing myth of the lost cause of the Confederacy, that blacks were better off under slavery. When you control a man's thinking, you do not have to worry about his actions, Woodson wrote in his book, The Miseducation of the Negro. You do not have to tell him not to stand here or go yonder. He will find his proper place and will stay in it. Throughout the following decades, Negro History Week grew in popularity, with mayors across the United States endorsing it as a holiday. Black History Month was first proposed by black educators and the black United States student at Kent State University in February 1969. The first celebration of Black History Month took place at Kent State one year later, from January 2nd to February 28th in 1970. By 1976, Black History Month was being celebrated all across the country when President Gerald Ford recognized the month during the celebration of the United States Bicentennial. He urged Americans, seize the opportunity to honor the too often neglected accomplishments of black Americans in every area of endeavor throughout our history. Black History Month is observed in the United States and Canada in February. Ireland, the Netherlands, and the United Kingdom celebrate in October. On February 22nd, 2016, a 106-year-old Washington, D.C. resident and school volunteer, Virginia McLaurin, visited the White House as part of Black History Month. When asked by President Obama why she was there, McLaurin said, Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Black History Month is in the United States less than a hundred years old. Really, less than a hundred years old. But like I say, every month is Black History Month. Once we do something, because we do a lot. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is. Ninja Another Color Podcast. I'm your host, D-O-T-T-L-E-Y. Rate, review, follow, subscribe. Send us feedback. Give us five stars. Give us four stars. Give us three stars. Give us two stars. Give us any stars because we give up zero stars. I'll think I'll do it correctly. We are available on Spotify, Amazon Music, Samsung Podcasts, Pandora, Google Podcasts, and TuneIn. Yes, we're still working on 
Apple. You can support the podcast via Cash App and Zelle. Information's in the description. All right, we're leaving you today on Trinidad and Tobago's Champions of the Pandora Road 2023. See you next week. Bye.